Hi, I'm Pastor Dennis Hester, and I want to welcome you as you join First Baptist Watauga in listening to these messages. Whether you're listening uh, on an audio podcast or you're watching on our Facebook page or on YouTube, we're glad that you've joined us. Our heart and desire is that through these messages, you might continue to grow in your faith. We're a church that's committed to God's Word and uh, simply proclaiming the truth of what He says. And so as you join us, I hope that you grow and that you flourish in your faith. I'd also encourage you to make sure that you're plugged into a local body of believers. If you're here in Watauga, we'd love to meet you, that you could join in with us. If you're outside of Watauga, I'd encourage you to find that body of Christ that you can get plugged into. There's nothing that that can substitute for that local uh, relationship as you join with others in worship of our holy God. So welcome. We're glad that you're here to listen and join in. If you would need prayer or you need to be encouraged in some other way, I encourage you to uh, just simply uh, email us, uh, contact us through Facebook, and we'd love to get back with you as soon as we could. God bless you as you listen to God's Word. You know, we live in a world where our priorities get out of whack pretty quickly. And uh, right now we're in the middle of the college football uh, season with the uh, I say middle of the season, middle of the bowl season, and of course yesterday we had the uh, two semifinal games, and, and it seemed like everywhere I turned, somebody was talking, and we're out at the deer lease, and they're trying to figure out how they could get the college football games on their phones while they're sitting in the deer blind, and uh, we, we just seem to get things kind of out of whack, and, and our, when we do that, our lives are not in balance. And what I want to look at today is a passage of Scripture from Jesus' life that, that reminds us of some of the things that need to be in balance if we're going to have a healthy life, if we're going to move forward into next year, into the year 2020, in a healthy way and not out of balance. I did read an article this week that was very encouraging to me. Last weekend, uh, the Texas High School 6A football championship game between uh, uh, a uh, uh, school from Houston called Houston North Shore, was, uh, they were playing against Duncanville High School. And Houston North Shore had the most touted high school quarterback in the nation. He was a senior. He was ranked number one in the entire nation, was highly recruited by every major Division I uh, school or by many of those, those Division I schools. And on the night before the state championship football game, he broke one of the team rules. His coach put him on a bus and sent him home, and they played without him. And I thought, my goodness, what horrible thing must he have done for the coach to send him home? Because for a coach to send home his number one, not just his number one running back, the guy that was considered the number one running back in all of the United States of America in high school. The coach had a rule that at a certain time on each evening when they were at out-of-town games like this, he collected their cell phones. And they weren't allowed to have them. That young man decided that he was above the coach's rules and wouldn't give up a cell phone. The coach gave him a choice. Give up your cell phone or go home. And the kid wouldn't give up his cell phone, so the coach put him on a bus. Amen? Amen? What I appreciate about that is you have a coach who cares about more than winning the state championship football game. He cares about his kids. He cares about their character. He, he cares about developing something in those young men other than just winning a game. Now, I think the Lord honored him in that. Houston North Shore went ahead and won the game and beat Duncanville anyway. 
but, but that's not what it was all about to me. What it was about to me was a coach who was willing to put the whole body, the whole picture of not just that young man, but his concern for all of the other young men that he was going to deal with coming up after that young man before them. What bolder statement is there than the guy who is the number one running back in the nation misses the state championship game because he wouldn't obey the rules. And I appreciated that. I think it's important for us to live balanced lives and, and to understand that there's more to life than that one thing that we love or that one thing that we care about or that one thing that we're, we're all in on because we all of us can tend to get off track when we become overly focused in one area of life. And so uh, let, let's read this passage. And where this is coming from is coming from the story of Jesus as he was growing up. In Luke chapter uh, 2, so we, we, we've been in Luke chapter 2 all last week. In fact, we read a lot of Luke chapter 2 on uh, Christmas Eve uh, during those two services. This is the end of Luke chapter 2. Jesus is a young man. And we don't know a lot about what happened between the time that Jesus was born and when Jesus turned 12 years old. And then again, there's a gap. We don't know much about Jesus. In fact, Scripture doesn't give us anything from this incident until Jesus began his ministry, uh, depending on uh, which scholar you listen to, either at the age of 27 or 30, but, but at least another decade later. But here we have the story, this one picture uh, from Scripture telling us about Jesus as a 12-year-old. The Scripture says in Luke chapter 2, verse 41, Every year his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. And after those days were over, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents didn't know it. Assuming that he was in the traveling party, they went a day's journey. Then they began looking for him among the other relatives and friends. Now, I don't know how many of y'all had multiple children. But did you ever get in the minivan or the station wagon, or the van, and you, you thought, I better count to make sure I've got everybody. <laughs> I, I know there's some amens out there. I know that y'all know Darren and Jay Biles. I know they w left one of their kids at church at least once and went home and sat down for lunch and went, hmm, where's that one at? Uh, we're missing somebody here. The Kimberleys had that experience here. Of course, you can imagine that. And Susan, I, I tried to be careful each time and count and make sure that we had all of our kids. But here you have Jesus' parents who are traveling with, a, with a, a large traveling party, apparently family and friends that were traveling together down to, the, uh, to Jerusalem from Galilee for this Passover feast, and in there with his brothers and sisters and cousins, they didn't miss Jesus for a day. And they went, uh-oh. So his parents turn around and they head back to Jerusalem to go find Jesus. Now, that's not, I love that part of the story, but that's not the main part of the story. When we get to the sermon, we're going to stick to the main part. But I just get a kick out of that, uh, his parents, when they realize that. Uh, so, verse 45 again, when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they, find, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. That's key. I want you to see this. And, and all of those who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said, son, 
Why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus said, why are you searching for me? He asked him. Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then when he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them, his mother kept all these things in her heart. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God and with people. I want to look at, at, at two big big ideas and then kind of look at that last verse and, and focus in on these ways that Jesus grew. But, but the, first, the, the first big idea that I want you to notice here is when they were having trouble finding Jesus, when they didn't know where Jesus was and they were looking for him, where was he? He was in his father's house. He, was, he knew his purpose, and he knew to be the man that he was going to have to be. You know, realize here we're talking about a 12-year-old boy that also was God. And, and how he understood all of that, you know, last week in our, our uh, Christmas Eve service, uh, there, there was a, the last song that uh, Matthew did was Joseph's lullaby. And in Joseph's lullaby, there was a question that Joseph asked. And, and, and you know, I wonder these things. Uh, when was it that Jesus, born as a baby, nursing on, on his mother's breast and then being having you know, diapers changed and all of that, growing up as a boy, when, at what point did that boy come to understand that he was the Son of God and that he was going to the cross and that he was going to die? Did he know it from infancy? Did, he, did, did his heavenly Father protect him and give him the wisdom and help him to, to come to understand and know as he went along in life and, and as his human side matured enough, his heavenly Father gave him that revelation of what was next? I, I don't know exactly how God did all of that, but by 12 years old, he understood that God had a special purpose and a special plan for him, that his heavenly Father had, had something purpose for him and and that he needed to focus on that so what was he doing he was spending time studying God's word he was spending time with those who could help him grow he was spending time with his father and that's the first great piece of advice that we can have that to lay a foundation for a balanced life to lay a foundation for these four areas of growth that we're going to have in a little bit the most important thing that we can get a hold of is we need to spend time with our Father, with our Heavenly Father, learning His Word. Okay? We will never know what God has planned for us if we don't sit down with Him, spend time with Him, and learn it. I, I can have people all the time, well, I just don't know what God's will is. I don't know where He's leading me. Have you spent time praying? Have you spent time in His Word? No. There's not a person here who knows the things that I love or care about unless you come ask me. I may be an exception because I get up here and talk a lot. I won't know what you care about most unless I come ask you. You won't know the heart of the Father unless you get into his word and you spend time with him. So the first biggie there is you've got to spend time with the Lord. If you're going to have any type of, of healthy life of healthy balance of healthy direction you're going to have to spend time with him one of the things that it does for us is it it helps us keep the eternal in focus we talked a lot about that in our growth group this morning we live in a world where we're always thinking about what's going on around us 
what's happening today, what's happening tomorrow. Everything in this world, even kingdoms, are temporary. The Roman Empire might have lasted 700 years, a lot less than that in its heyday, but it's still temporary. The kingdom of God is eternal. And if we don't spend time with the Father and in His Word, we, don't, we, we will easily forget that, that we're living in a temporary world, but we're also part of an eternal kingdom. And the eternal is what's going to matter. I had, had this discussion just this week with a, with a friend who, he had a friend who's got cancer. And, and I told him, I said, you know, this is something I deal with a lot as a pastor because it doesn't matter if God gives you 15 years on this earth or 50 years on this earth or 80 years on this earth. This life in this body is still temporary. And compared to the eternal, it, 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 there's no comparison. You need to be thinking about the eternal if you're going to have a healthy, balanced life as you walk with the Lord. You've got to spend time with the Lord and spend time in His Word. The second comes out of that, that same incident. Of course, Jesus is there with the... The, these great minds, so to speak, these leaders. And one of the, the things that we tend to focus on and that, that my attention has always been drawn to was there in verse 47, and it says, and those who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. That's awesome. Jesus as a 12-year-old boy or young man, youth, was intelligent. He was wise. These old rabbis were listening to him, and they were astounded at, at how much he knew and how smart he was. I've always heard that preached. I've always heard that talked about. And, and of course, he's the son of God, and he's been growing in wisdom and stature. As a 12-year-old, he, he was intelligent, and he was wise. But back up a little bit, and I want you to see what it says in verse 46, because I think we missed this. Verse 46 says, after three days they found him in the temple among the teachers what was he doing listening to them and asking them questions one of the things where we get ourselves in trouble especially if we think we're pretty smart and we think we're pretty wise and people like listening to us and say oh you're so smart you know they're astounded at, at your intelligence is we stop listening Jesus was seated in the temple and he was listening and asking questions. The Son of God, in, in all of his glory, who, you know, however much Jesus knew about he, how, who he was at that point, he was humble enough to sit down in the temple and listen and ask questions. And, and if Jesus was humble enough to sit down before a teacher and listen and ask questions, how much more incumbent is it upon us to be willing to have our ears open and listen and ask questions? You'll, you, when you stop listening and you stop asking questions, you'll stop maturing. You'll stop learning and you'll stop growing. When you've got it all figured out and you don't need, you don't need to ask any more questions, you, you, know, you, know, you know all that you need to know, that's, that's when you stop growing. But the truth is, there's not a single person in this room who has it all figured out, who knows it all. And, and it, it's incumbent upon us to approach everything with a humble heart, to approach every area of life with humility. Even in the area where you're an expert, there's still somebody that knows more about it than you do. 
And if you're willing to listen, you'll learn. When you stop listening, you'll stop learning. And you'll stop growing. Jesus was humble enough to submit to those who are in authority and to stop and listen. And he did it not just with the leaders, but he did it with his parents. And, and there's this weird dichotomy here because we know that Jesus was God. He was God before he entered into Mary's womb. He was God in Mary's womb. He was God when he walked on the earth. He was God when he was 12 years old. He was God when he went to the cross. He was God when he died. He's God when he rose again. Jesus was God that whole time. And yet, even though he upset or disappointed his parents to some extent by getting lost, what you see down in verse 51 is, is where the beauty of this is. When they went and found him, and got him back, he, the scripture says, then he went down with them in verse 51 and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. So here's really kind of the bottom line. Somewhere in here, Jesus is kind of hitting those teenage years. And Jesus is starting to figure out who he is. And, and, and for Jesus, that was a little bit different. Now, teenagers today teenagers in my day. I started figuring out who I was. I started thinking I was smarter than my dad. I was starting to think that I had things all figured out. And I was starting to, to uh, you know, you know, I was learning things in math that dad didn't even learn, you know, all of his life. And so, I, you know, I thought I was pretty smart. So it, it, Jesus is at that age where he starts figuring out who he is. He starts figuring out that his father is not his biological, not, it's not Joseph, it's his father in heaven. That's why he's in his father's house. So he's figuring those things out. And even in that, even though he's starting to figure it out, when mom and dad say, hey, come back to Galilee, we got work for you in the carpentry shop, he obeyed them. He was obedient. Now, I, I would ask for a show of hands, but I bet I wouldn't get it in here. But is there any, well, I probably won't get it from the teenagers, but how many of you as teenagers thought that you were smarter than your parents? Well, yeah, there's a bunch, and there are some teenagers that are willing to admit that, yeah. We, we start thinking as teenagers, we've got it figured out, and we're smarter than our parents. You know what, that's all a part of being a teenager. Jesus was smarter than his parents. But even if you are, Scripture is clear. You submit to your parents with humility. Even if you're in a position at work where you're right and your boss is wrong, if that's where you're supposed to be, where God's placed you, you know how you ought to handle that position? You submit to your boss with humility. See, there, there's, there's something that God honors about those who have a heart of submission, who are willing to learn, who are willing to grow. God will honor that. What God won't honor is arrogance. We saw it this morning in Daniel chapter 7. Daniel 7, he had this dream, and, and, and one of the kings in this kingdom of among ten kings began to rise up, and he began to be arrogant. He began to talk all the time. And, and thought that he was the, 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 you know, bully on the block, the big guy on the block. Until the Ancient of Days showed up. Until God showed his face. 
Because you know what? It doesn't matter how much you know, how powerful you are, even if you are smarter than your parents or you are smarter than your boss, you are not smarter than God. And if God has put you in that role and he's put you in that position, it is incumbent upon you to walk in your position with humility. One of the things, and he's not here today, so I can talk about him a little bit. Kevin and I I love working together. I love working with him. I think he loves working with me. Kevin has a little bit of a different leadership style. And and Kevin will tell me at times, we'll sit down and we'll have a, a real honest conversation behind closed doors. And he'll say, Pastor, I don't agree with it. I don't agree with you how you're handling that situation. But you're the pastor and I'm going to support you when we walk out these doors. You know what? Sometimes Kevin's right, and I should have handled it differently. And sometimes I was right. What I appreciate about Kevin is he handles it with humility. And I pray that that's how I handle it, even when I'm working with him and we have a disagreement. Sometimes I change. Sometimes I change my mind based on on the the input I get from Kevin or, or Matthew or Victoria or or in the past, Paul Michael, or, or others who I've worked with. But if we, we're unwilling to humble ourselves, we'll never grow. We'll never get better. So those are the two biggies. Spend time with the Lord and approach everything with a humble heart. Because as soon as you start thinking that, you, you, that you're it, and you got it figured out, you quit growing. And then what we see here is this healthy growth pattern of, of Jesus. In in verse 52, the scripture says, And Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God, and with people. There's four areas here that I want to look into real quick. Because I think that if we're going to have a healthy, balanced life, we need to to seek to grow in every one of these areas. Now, I want to to take a sidestep here for just a second. Because one of the, the things in recent days that has led me to focus on this passage and to think a lot about it and to pray about it is my trip to Nicaragua with Compassion International. Compassion International's motto, so to speak, is that they're Christ-centered, child-focused, and church-based. Okay, that's their motto. How they go about fulfilling that goal to, as they minister to every single child is a fourfold model that's based on this passage, Luke 2.52. It's kind of their, their theme verse. It's, it's their, their model for breaking down how are we going to minister to these kids. And so when, when we connect with Compassion International, and Susan and I are already sponsoring uh, two children from uh, Managua, Nicaragua, and uh, when we connect with them, what we're supporting is a fourfold ministry to these kids. The first one is that, they, that they're, they, they are educated, that they grow mentally, that they grow in wisdom. And, and so there's ways that compassion makes sure that's happening. They're, they're connected with a tutor that helps them with schoolwork and, and helps them learn to read, whatever it is that they need. But they're connected with a tutor. They, so it's, it's fourfold. It's, it's to, to grow uh, mentally with education. It's to grow to make sure that they're healthy, that they're getting the food and the, the nutrition that they need, but they're also getting outside and getting in the exercise that they need. Uh, to, that they're growing spiritually, and so they're connecting their growth to, to the Lord, and that they're connected socially so that they're, they're growing in their relationships with other kids, okay? So those are the four areas I want to look at in just a minute, but I'm gonna, I want you to see it from a compassion standpoint because what happened then as we went to visit these churches, every classroom that I went into 
they, they would have something up on the wall where they would, they would list. Uh, a lot of times it was directly connected to their schedule. So at 9 o'clock, they're focusing on the spiritual health of the child. So from 9 till 9.40, they're, they're studying Scripture, they're working on spiritual health. And then, then at 9.40 till whatever, you know, till 10.20, they're focused on, on how they're going to minister to the social connections, help the kids grow socially. And put, you know, there's good reason for it. These kids, uh, a lot of these kids are four and five-year-olds. They're out on the street selling lollipops to try to bring home some money for their family. And so uh, they're working at five years old. They're not playing. And so they're, 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 there's a, a, a balanced focus to help these children grow in all of these areas. And I believe that and they, this is where it comes from. And I believe that this gives us a great pattern, even as Christian adults today. Because what ends up happening with us is we'll get laser-focused on one or two areas of our life and forget about the others. You'll hear a Baptist preacher stand up and wail and wail and wail on the sin of not attending church. Or the sin of sexual deviance or whatever and just go off on on the spiritual unhealthiness of 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 the believers or whatever and he's 450 pounds and is going to eat three burgers and four pieces of cake for supper and he's not going to be healthy and he's not going to be able to continue the ministry that god's called him to when we get so focused in one area that we miss out on those other areas we're not living the life that God's called us to and so the first thing that you see here is that Jesus was growing in wisdom he was as a 12 year old he was developing his mind he was learning that's one of the reasons he's sitting down in the temple not just talking my guess is even at 12 years old Jesus was smart enough he could have taught those rabbis all kinds of things but he was listening because he was growing. If you're going to be healthy in the way that God's created you to be healthy, you need to be somebody who is always allowing your mind to grow and to develop. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have, there's something you can learn in 2020. There's some area of your life that you can grow. Pick up a book and read it. I have a one of our church members, and I don't have their permission to mention this, but, the, but I know they have a, a master's degree. They're, they're, they're a teacher who, whose kids that, that, that she has taught loves her and loves her teaching. But I, I follow her on Twitter, and she's continually posting things that she's learned from what she's read because she's continuing to grow in her mind. We need to have that attitude. It doesn't matter how old we are. We can still learn and grow in our mind. Jesus was growing in wisdom. But we need to have that focus that this year, this year in 2020, there's something new that I need to learn. There's a book that I need to pick up and read so that I can continue to grow in wisdom, keep my, my, my mind stimulated mentally. He also was growing in stature. Now, we see that, of course, as a 12-year-old, the boy's growing up. But I think for us, for everyone here, it applies to that area of our body, that we are healthy in our body, that we pay attention to this temple of God. God has given us this body to work with. When I was 
when I got married, I got married at 19 years old, and of course we didn't have much money, and I was going to school, and I had never had really good teeth, okay? And, and I had struggled with cavities and struggled with issues with, with my teeth, and, and then Katie was born, and we were in the hospital all the time, and I just didn't take care of him, and I knew I had problems. And, and my older brother, Rodney, he had, he had gone, he'd had all kinds of dental work done, paid thousands of dollars when he was in his mid-30s, had to have all of his teeth pulled and get false teeth, because he had bad teeth. So I decided, you know what, I just got bad teeth. Katie was five years old, was in a hospital down in Austin, and I got an abscess tooth, and I go into the dentist, and the dentist looks at everything, and gives, takes all these x-rays, comes out and says, well, I've got some bad news for you, you need to have this done, this done, this done, this done, and, and we can get it all done for you, it's going to take a few months, you're going to have to come back pretty often, it's going to cost $11,000. And I went, there's no way, with, with the situation we're in, there's no way, I said, I, I can't, I said, fix the tooth that's infected and I'll deal with it later. So I was depressed about it, of course, Katie's still in the hospital a lot, so I finally, you know, back in May, that, that was down in Austin while Katie was in the hospital. Back in May, I found a dentist that somebody recommended go to that dentist. Almost the exact same story, except it's only going to be about $10,000. Cheaper in Brownwood than it was in Austin. Uh, I ended up, finally, I gave up. And I thought, all right, when it just gets too bad, I'm just going to do what Rodney did. I don't want to waste some money. I'm going to get all my teeth pulled. So I go visit a, a, a Family in the church recommends this dentist over in Comanche. So I go visit this dentist. He's a deacon at First Baptist Comanche, godly man. And uh, I told him, I said, now, before you check my teeth, let me tell you, I know I got problems, and I know I got this stuff going on. And I said, I, 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 I can't afford thousands of dollars. I said, if it comes down to it, just pull them, and I'll just get false teeth and deal with it the rest of my life. So he says, hold on a minute. Let me see if I can help you out, and we'll look at it. So and he's kind of an old country guy, and so he, he looks at my mouth, takes the x-rays, and uh, comes back after he got all that put together, and he says, well, he said, you've got a lot of issues. He said, but let me, let me give you the bottom line. The bottom line is you're a pastor, and God's given you your mouth to declare the gospel, and you're not taking care of it. He said, how many Dr. Peppers or sodas are you drinking? And I told him, and he said, I can tell. He said, I'm going to help you out. He said, and, and we can do some work here and get you in a healthy place. We won't get it all fixed. He said, over the next 15, 20 years, you're going to have to have a lot of that work done that they've told you. But you don't have to have it all done now. He said, I'm going to help you out. We're going to get you in a position where your mouth is at least healthy. And it's going to cost about $900. Can you handle that? And I said, yeah, I can handle that. But what has stuck with me since that visit was he called me out. And he reminded me that God had given me this body for his purposes to declare the gospel. And it was incumbent upon me to take care of the body that he's given me, to be physically healthy. And I'm afraid that sometimes, as Christians, we get so focused on what's going to be our third issue here, spiritual health maybe, that we don't take care of the physical body that God's given us. How effective are we at fulfilling the purpose God has given us if we're sick all the time and in bed? We're not. So for us to be balanced in life, it requires that we grow mentally, that we're willing, even in our older years, to continue growing mentally. It requires that we do what we can to be healthy. 
This is the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. God indwells this temple and, and what we would never do to a church to desecrate what we would think is a, is a place of worship, we will desecrate this body and we'll desecrate it with sin, we'll desecrate it with negligence and we don't take care of the body that God's given us to fulfill his purposes. And if we're going to be balanced in our, our spiritual walk and our spiritual growth, it requires that we do what we can to take care of the body that God's given us. Third, then, is Jesus grew in favor with God. He continued to grow spiritually in his walk with his Father. This is always a confusing and yet amazing idea for me. Even when Jesus was in his ministry, there were times when Jesus would say, i got to get away from people. i got to get up on the mountain and pray and spend time with my Father. There was something about the, 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 this holy eternal God as he dwelt inside the human the constraints of the human body that Jesus needed to spend time with his father so even after he was in ministry even after he was training his disciples the night after he fed the 5,000 he had to get away when he got the news that John the Baptist had died you get the impression it so affected him emotionally scripture says that Jesus had to get up get away by himself in the mountain to pray and spend time with his father so it wasn't just when he was 12 that he was growing in favor with his father he was continually seeking to stay connected to his heavenly father it's incumbent upon us if we're going to be healthy and when one one of be all that God's called us to be in the new year to not just focus on losing weight or not just focus on one area, but to focus on all of these areas. And so getting away and spending time with the Father. I know that goes back to the first big point that I made, but it's, it's not just a big idea, a foundational idea. It's a regular idea. You don't just take up your cross once and follow Jesus. You take up your cross the first time when you come into faith with him, and then you take it up every day. And so every day we've got to be focused on that personal walk with him that we're growing spiritually. If you're not growing spiritually, you're stagnant. And if you're stagnant, you're a place of death. If you're growing spiritually, you'll be alive. And then fourth, Scripture says that he was growing in favor with people. So Jesus not only grew in his relationship with his heavenly father, he grew in his relationship with others. Now, I don't know that there's anybody here that might need to hear this. But I see it on Facebook. Some of you wish you could just be a hermit and not deal with people at all. Right? That's not healthy. Now, I understand that during the Christmas shopping season, some of y'all have given me a hard time about this recently. Uh, it was on a little Facebook post. Somebody commented about how the, after the day after Christmas, Kevin did. There were 364 and a half days left. I told him he was wrong because this year we got February the 29th, and I'm planning on doing all of my shopping on February the 29th on that extra day I got. And, and because Susan doesn't like to get out of the house. If, if, if she, in fact, our, I think that we personally supported uh, four Amazon drivers financially <laughs> this year, personally. Our, our house, every day I came home, it was stacked with Amazon boxes. She did all of her Christmas shopping because she doesn't want to go out there and deal with people. Of course, she deals with people all day at school. But folks, you cannot be well-rounded and have a healthy balance in life if you're not 
growing in your relationships with other folks. You know, one of the best ways to see that is just simply from John's gospel, but you also see it in John's letter in 1 John chapter 4. Listen to these words. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. But love consists in this. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. See, you cannot be fully fulfilling the per- you cannot fully fulfill the purposes of God if you're not interacting with and showing God's love to other people. There has to be a social connection. God created us as human beings to worship together, to live together, to love together, to connect with one another, to support one another, to encourage one another. And if you hole up as a hermit in your house, you're not fully balanced. You're not living that balanced life that God intended you to live. Now, we all have different personalities. And one of the interesting things about my personality is I don't mind getting up here. Of course, God's called me to be a pastor. I don't mind getting up here and speaking in front of a crowd. That doesn't bother me. And, but when, when we have a church social, I don't know if y'all have noticed this. I can sit down with one person and visit with them and connect with them, but I, I am not a politician. I, I have a, I, it's really out of my, my comfort zone to try to hang out with everybody. And, and we've got people in the church that do that. Dennis Surratt, my friend, he's a salesman. Man, we go to these city functions, and he meets everybody, and he greets everybody, he's talking to everybody. I want to go find that one police officer that I can connect with and sit down and talk to him. Because that's just not how I'm put together. So I'm not saying that we all have to be the same in how we relate to one another. But we all have to be growing in how we relate to and love one another and care for one another. And so there's four areas that if we're going to be balanced in our, in our walk with the Lord, if we're going to be, have a balanced life as we grow going forward, we need, to, we need to be growing mentally. We need to be learning. We need to keep our mind active. There's nothing that's more sad than somebody who's let their mind go. So keep your mind active. But we need to stay physically healthy, physically active, and take care of the bodies that God's blessed us with. We need to stay spiritually growing so that we're walking in a relationship with God and, and, and spiritually we're, we're, we're developing and we're growing. And then fourth, we need to be growing in our relationship with one another. That also means if you have broken relationships with other people, you need to be working toward mending them. Now, they may not all ever get mended. Because a lot of times when there's a broken relationship, there's always two sides to that. And you can only take care of one side. But if you're going to be spiritually healthy and emotionally healthy, you're going to take care of your side. Right? And so to have a balanced growth, balanced life going into 2020, it requires all four of those areas. Now, how do we do that? That seems overwhelming. Here's my suggestion. And this is not necessarily just from Scripture, but it's my suggestion. First, keep those four things in mind. Make make it a point that that you're going to do what God's called you to do to be healthy and fulfill His purpose for your life this year. But pick something that you want to learn more about. 
Decide. Maybe if, you know, if you're a teacher, decide that you're going to read a book on how to become a better teacher. Okay? If, if you're a leader in business, pick a leadership book and read a book that's going to help you be better in business. Whatever it happens to be, make a decision that this year you're not going to stay stagnant, but that you're going to grow mentally. Make a decision that you're going to do something to be healthy. Now, some of you haven't had your physical or gone to see a doctor in 10 years. You don't like doctors. Make a decision that you're going to do whatever, what, what you need to do to be healthy. Maybe, maybe it's just that exercise. And, and, you know, for me, every time I start exercising, I think I've got to do it every day. I got to, you know, as soon as the first time I run, I think I've got to run a marathon. No, you don't. Pick something. Walk every day. Do something to get healthier physically. Take care of the body that God's given you. Make a decision on what you're going to do to grow spiritually. One of the first places you can start, Matthew read my text from next week's sermon. God commands us. He doesn't give us it as a suggestion. He commands that we not neglect gathering together for worship. The, the, the point that the, the writer of Hebrews is making is clear. That we as a church body must come together to grow together, hold each other to, accountable together, to worship together. Don't neglect the gathering of the saints. That, that's, that's a simple area. But find some area that, that you need to grow spiritually and get better at. And then find an area that you need to work on socially, your connections with other people. Maybe there's somebody you know you've got a broken relationship with. Start praying for that person right now. Start praying that the Lord help you heal that relationship, whatever that relationship happens to be. Whatever it is, ask the Lord to give you something to work on in these areas so that you can be balanced. I'm gonna, we're going to open the altar here in just a moment for you to respond to God's Word because as we get ready to go into the new year, I just have a sense that, that you may just need to pray that the Lord open your eyes and help you see what you need to see. Now, I understand that, that this is one of those, those few days that I have not preached a clear message about how to come to faith in Christ. But there's some of you here who you know what you need to do. Now, there's some of you I've talked to that you know that, that if you were to die today, you don't know for certain that you'd go to heaven, and you need to deal with that. Well, what a better way to start the, the new year than by becoming spiritually healed, by having your sins forgiven by the blood of Christ, by submitting to him and asking for his forgiveness. The, the, the bottom line truth is that you're not going to be spiritually healthy ever unless you deal with that first. And so while we have this time of response, if you're one of those who you know that you need to, to make a public profession of your faith and follow through with that, let this be the day that you do that. And, and get off on a good start going into the new year. But some of you, one of these areas, or maybe more than one of these areas, has pricked your heart. And God's telling you that's an area that you need to deal with. Just turn it over to the Lord. You don't need to talk to me about it. I, I, I'm not here to hold you accountable. You may need somebody to hold you accountable. But, but turn it over to the Lord. If you need to come to the altar and pray, come to the altar and pray and give it to the Lord. Or just do it there in your seats as, as, as we pray and as we sing. Stand with me and let me, let me lead you in a word of prayer.